typically on the second Sunday of the month. Uh, one of our home group leaders will lead a prayer time focusing on one of our supported missionaries. And their pictures are on the wall out there in the lobby. Uh, but I don't know if you're like me and you like to plan things exactly how they should go. Um, then life happens. So life has brought uh, Ron and Debbie into the, the, the States for a brief time. And that window happens to be now as opposed to next month when we were going to pray for them officially. So we moved some things around uh, in order to have them here in person and to pray over them in person. And so uh, Ron and Debbie Stafford serve as missionaries in Colombia, which is in South America. Um, they have been there for many, many years, having a tremendous impact. Of course, you know, they can't say those things, those big, you know, uh, superlatives, but I can say that because we've witnessed it as a church family over the years. Uh, we've seen and heard their reports of God moving um, and God building his church in Colombia. And Ron and Debbie have, have been uh, God's hands in a lot of ways, uh, raising up leaders there. So uh, Ron and Debbie are going to give us an update of ways we can pray specifically for them, and then I'll pray over them in just a few moments. So thank you, Ron and Debbie, for being here. Thank you. That was very encouraging. <clears throat> yeah, it's a blessing to be here. Um, we arrived the last day of September, and we spent a couple of weeks with our grandchildren in Holly Springs. We share those with Brad and Allison, too, of course. And then we began our traveling. We have supporting churches. We went to New Mexico. We've been to Dallas. We've been to Houston. We've been in lots of churches with lots of supporters. We've been in churches in this area. So we head back December 7th, or this next week, we'll go down to Charleston, South Carolina. My parents are still living. My father is 91, almost 92, and my mother just turned 87. So we'll be spending Thanksgiving with them, and all my siblings will be there. So it'll be a real treat to get to be with my, my family. Um, a great impact in Colombia. Today, I'm not feeling like we've had a great impact in Colombia. You know, life goes on. We left our church in the hands of leadership and the other missionary that's working there. Well, last night, I'm in charge of the praise and worship in our church. I kind of guide it, although our leader is a young guy, very talented, growing spiritually. And um, he, he wrote me last night and said that he's decided he didn't want to do that anymore. So I think, oh, this is great. This is great news. So, you know, I'm just praying for him. He's discouraged. He, Jesus Christ is our solid rock. The, the, the music really ministered to me today. Yes, we go through highs. We go through lows. We see people who grow spiritually. We saw, see some, when we're not there, kind of pull away. So if you would pray for John Freddie and for the leaders there, I know they're getting eager for us to return. So we, we really want God to use us. We're real. We want God to use us in the lives of real people. So thank you. Oh, and before you leave, we have some cards in the back, some prayer cards, and updated picture from the last time. Thank you, honey. Uh, I feel right at home here today, and I'll tell you why. For many reasons, but one specifically. When church started, there weren't many people here. It reminded me of Cali, Columbia. There's not many people there. But by the time we started praise and worship, at the end of praise and worship, I'm looking out in the churches. There's a good group of you folks here, so I feel very at home. I could have arrived a little late and even felt more at home here. But uh, it's always good to be here, and it was very exciting for me and for Debbie and I to see the receiving of new church members uh, here at Grace, people that will join here and uh, use their talents and gifts to serve the Lord. There's nothing more exciting than that. Well, we started a church about 10 years ago, actually started meeting in homes, and you know the history of all that if you read the, the board, meeting people wherever we went, inviting people to come for prayer, Bible studies, and we organized a church, actually less than 10 years ago, we started meeting 10 years ago, but organized a church about seven years ago, and uh, we have a church of about 50 people when they all come. You understand what I'm saying, right, Brad, when they all show up? Uh, sometimes more. We have discipled, Debbie and I and others in the church have discipled most of the people that have come. About 80% have been discipled, uh, have accepted the Lord, been discipled, and are growing spiritually. They're all, with the exception of one or two, very new Christians. And uh, the, the Lord has to remind me from time to time, uh, when people are new in the faith and they're growing spiritually, just like all of us, they have ups and downs. And uh, we just need to have more patience and love these people where they are. Uh, last night, we were on the phone, not on the phone, on the, on the computer trying to encourage this young man uh, who basically said, I don't want to do it anymore. You ever had that happen? 
I don't want to do it anymore. And uh, he's very discouraged, so pray for John Freddie. I want to leave you uh, with a verse that I've probably shared here before, but it means a lot to me, and it's a way you can pray for us. Now, unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think. Sometimes in the ministry, we think it's all about us. It's all about him. It always has been. It always will be. So I want you to pray for us uh, in three areas. Our health. Uh, We're getting a little older, and we're having more exams these days. It just happens. I remember hearing my parents talk about it, and I thought, why do they talk about that all the time? Now I know. (laughs) Now I know. Uh, Medicines. Uh, Yeah, medicine's expensive. We're there. there. And uh, so pray for that, and pray for our church leaders. Debbie and I really feel like in the next year to 18 months, we want to turn our church over to in into the completely to the Colombian leadership. So pray for our leadership and we also have an opportunity in the next 2 years to start two more churches in Medellin, Colombia. We have uh, two young couples that have gone through seminary that are already in Medellin and wanting some help. So Dave and I see us being able to come alongside them and as a mentors and just help them in the ministry, encourage them. Uh, right now, we feel like our job is really encouraging believers. And that's what we love to do. And that's what we're going to continue to do. Thank you guys for your faithful prayer and support. And you can pray for us next month too. Thanks. I guess we can keep that on the calendar. Uh, so let's pray together. I oh, just hold that for a second. Uh, we will uh, take our offering in just a moment as well. So if you would be silent with me for just a few moments. Um, there are a list of prayer requests in the bulletin as well for things that are recurring, things that are going on. We want to continue to pray for all the new uh, births in our congregation, for Stacy who is here this morning with, uh, with, their, with their new baby. But um, pray for uh, continued health of these mothers and, and children. Um, pray for those who are struggling physically, and especially during the holiday times when there are people who can't get out, can't be with their family. These are really intensely felt times. Uh, so let's pray for those in our church body who uh, can't be with those they would love to be with. So let's pray together uh, in silence for a few moments, and then I'll close. God, we do thank you for a few moments to be still. To be silent is not often in our day-to-day lives that we can that we can rest in silence. And I pray that we would indeed find those times, we'd look for those times to be with you. God, we thank you so very much for Ron and Debbie Stafford and the ways that Uh, They have sought to be faithful to the gospel through their ministry. We thank you for calling them out. We thank you for equipping them. And we thank you for pouring that equipment through them to the leaders in the church there. And so we do pray very specifically, God, that the leadership of of the church that they've planted would be filled with the Spirit, would be equipped completely to, to do the work that you've prepared for them to do, and that it would free Ron and Debbie to be involved in, uh, hopefully, Lord, these two plants in Medellin. We pray that uh, the ground would be tilled and fertile for the gospel. Uh, we pray that there some of these uh, seminary students who are excited about it would be um, continually excited about it. They would uh, be energized by the power of the Holy Spirit to then be part of uh, church leadership in these plants. And God, throughout all of that, we do pray that you would sustain uh, and encourage Ron and Debbie in the specific uh, health things that they wrestle with. We pray that they would be drawn closer to you through uh, the suffering of um, our bodies as they fail. God, we pray that for all of us, when we feel um, the weaknesses of our flesh, that we would remember that everything will be made right, that there is a resurrection that is coming, 
that there is a sure and certain hope. Let us be reminded of that when we feel the pain um, from lack of health. And so we pray that they would be encouraged, that they would be healthy uh, to do all these things that you have put in their minds, given them vision to do. Uh, we thank you for the sweet time they've been able to be with their families over the last couple months. And do pray that, that would be an encouragement and a sustenance to them as well, especially as they get to uh, be with Debbie's family this coming week. Pray for safety of travel uh, between here and there and between here and Columbia, uh, that you would bring them safely back to their church family there. And we thank you that we are all a part of um, the family of God and that you have knit us together. Uh, I pray that we would uh, give back to you, Lord, in, the, in just an abundance because you have given to us in abundance. I pray that you would take these offerings and use them to build your kingdom and that you would be glorified in the ways that we worship you through our giving uh, and that uh, this community would, would see and hear and put their trust in the Lord. And we do love you, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. I'm so glad you're here at Grace Community Church. Um, if just by chance this is your first Sunday here, my name is Brad Talley. I'm the teaching elder, and we're delighted that you chose to worship with us this morning. I am so glad to have Ron and Debbie Stafford here. It's just like sunshine walking into the room, isn't it, with Debbie and, and Ron. Uh, and, and Ron already preached a sermon about being on time, you know, getting here. <clears throat> but when he started talking about health issues, I was wondering if I was going to get to preach this morning. I mean, the man's going on and on about his health and his medication and his... And I empathize exactly, yeah. Actually, if I get started on that, I won't won't finish. And it's also really great to have 20 new members at Union and all the new members here this morning. Over the last two weeks, so grateful that God is building His church. I know that many of you have uh, come to Christ some time ago, but not all of you. And it's great that the Lord builds His church and we get to witness what he's doing. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. That's a great way to start this Thanksgiving Sunday uh, service, isn't it? Songs of thanksgiving, songs of praise to the Lord. Come into his presence with thanksgiving. Do you know where this psalm comes from? Or where this passage, certainly it comes from the psalms. Do you know which psalm it is? It's in Psalm 95. What's significant about Psalm 95 in our study of Hebrews? We've been in Psalm 95 for the last two weeks between verses 7 to 11. Where it recounts the failure of Israel to believe God and thus to miss All the blessings that were available to his people. The author of Hebrews quoted Psalm 95, 7 to 11, warning the first century followers of Christ not to walk away from Jesus and thus miss the hope of Sabbath rest, of eternal rest with the Lord. The title of uh, today's message is A Sabbath Rest for the People of God, Part 2. It's Part 2. Uh, to what we began last week. I had planned to be in Hebrews uh, 4 verses 12 and 13 by this morning, but so many of you had questions about the Sabbath that I thought we better spend more time right here today. Uh, Are New Testament believers required to keep the Sabbath in the same way the Old Testament believers were? And if that's the case, what day is the Sabbath? Saturday, correct? So are we to meet on Saturday or is Sunday sort of a New Testament Sabbath? Do we restrict our our activities on the Sabbath or are are we free to do as we please on the Lord's Day? There are a lot of questions about the Sabbath and I'm not going to answer any of those this morning. Just kidding. I'm going to take a stab at them from Scripture. But know this. There are committed believers who don't believe exactly like you do. Treat one another. This is one of those open-handed doctrines that we talk about in Grace Connection. Close-handed, close-fisted doctrines and open-handed doctrines. So um, 
ultimately this morning, I'm going to present you with the conclusions that I have drawn from uh, my study and, and, and the conclusions that our church has practiced for a long time. I would encourage you again to deal graciously with those who believe differently from you. Uh, for today's text, we're going to read Hebrews 4, 1 through 11, the same text as last week's uh, message. And this week is very much tied to last week. One thing, remember from last week, the word that is used for rest, uh, primarily used for rest, kataposis, a cessation of work. It's, it's talking about a cessation of works. And the writer of Hebrews is is given a not-so-subtle reminder that salvation does not come from our good works. It's when we cease from our works and we trust in Jesus, what He has done for us, that we're saved. That word is used all over Hebrews 4 uh, for the word rest, except for verse 9, where the word sabbatismas is used. And it refers to a Sabbath celebration with festival joy. If you've ever been to a Shabbat with people who practice Sabbath, it's a joyful time. And the Jews understood that. And by the way, um, Shabbat was practiced by the Jewish people and is to this day in the midst of hard times all around. And you know what they do? They don't groan and moan. They celebrate the Lord. Even when, when, when life is going crazy all around them and it doesn't make sense, and, and we'll, we'll get a sense of why that's important for us. Not that we practice it in the same way, but why a spirit of Sabbath could, should come into our hearts. Uh, if you were to ask a person today, if you were to ask the average American on the street, how does one get to heaven? You're probably going to get an answer that's something like, well, you, you follow the golden rule, do the best you can, and just hope everything is going to be all right. Um, but such a response would indicate a dependence on self for salvation. As long as I do my part, God will be okay with me. In fact, most Americans believe I'm born okay with God, and if I don't mess it up, then I'm all right. But Scripture says the exact opposite. I am born not okay with God. In fact, I am walking away from God. In fact, I oppose God as His enemy because of my sin. And unless he does something to correct my circumstances, then I have no hope. Well, that's what Sabbath rest is. It's Jesus doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And us falling into taking our place in that rest. The point of Hebrews is that our only hope of heaven is not dependence on ourselves, but dependence on Jesus and on him alone. So... We'll talk more about that after the reading of our text. Would you please stand, as is our custom, for the reading of Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 to 11. We read it last week, but hopefully you'll read it with more understanding, more meaning in your heart this time. And think about rest as being a cessation of works until we get to verse 9 where he's talking about the Sabbath celebration. Therefore... While the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, the Israelites, who had been brought out of Egypt. But the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest. As he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage he said, they shall not enter my rest. Since, therefore, it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again, he appoints a certain day. God has graciously given you a day when you can enter the Sabbath rest of the Lord. You know when it is? Today. Saying, through David, so long afterward, in the words already quoted from Psalm 95, 
Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Let's pray. Father, we give to your word the honor and the place of importance it deserves in our lives. We recognize that we know nothing about you apart from your word. Nothing of full significance. But your word points us to Jesus. It's not just knowing the word. It's knowing Yahweh. It's knowing Jesus. And having that hope of eternal life in our lives. Lord, as we speak about this most important um, topic of Sabbath, we pray that our hearts would be open and our minds would be filled with the knowledge of your will for our lives and an understanding of what our responsibility as believers is for keeping the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you and be seated. Well, we're going to have to move quickly if we're going to get everything in about Sabbath. And, and look, we're going to essentially talk about one view out of four primary views about the Sabbath. I would encourage you to take notes if this is something you want to study later. But I want to point you to this book that was so helpful for me in preparing this sermon. Perspectives on the Sabbath, four views. There is a seventh-day Sabbath view, a Sunday Sabbath view, uh, a Lutheran view, which has a lot to do with law and gospel, and then a view that I'll present today that Jesus is a fulfillment of the Sabbath, and our rest is in Him. Um, We're going to begin at the beginning, creation week. Genesis 2, uh, verses 2 to 3. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it, God rested from all his work (coughs) That he had done in creation. When God finished creating the world, he rested. And in his wisdom and in his love for mankind, he established the Sabbath. A day of rest for mankind. Six days in rest. That's a good pattern, isn't it? Anybody that's tried to mess with it, the Russians tried to mess with it. Having a five-day week, which ultimately meant much more than five days in a week, and a lot of people rarely got to rest. And one of their primary intentions was to do away with religion. And they said, we're going to increase productivity. But you can imagine what happened. Bodies break down. Machinery breaks down. Everything needs rest. It's a pattern that is undeniably beneficial for all of mankind. Animals, land, machinery, all of creation benefits from God's establishment of Sabbath, a time of rest for our souls, minds, and spirits. You know what happens to you, to not only your body, but your soul, your mind, your spirit, when you don't get rest, when you go days and months, weeks and months on end with hardly any break, <clears throat> you just wear down, don't you? You break down. The Sabbath was, as Jesus said, made for man, not the other way around. The Sabbath is a blessing to us. When the Lord gave Moses the Ten Commandments, the Fourth Commandment acknowledged that God had made the seventh day of the week a holy day. And from this time forward, 
God was to be honored all days of the week, but especially on the Sabbath, on Saturday, the last day of the week. Not long after uh, the Sabbath had been established as law that the Israelites were to uh, follow, a man went out and worked on the Sabbath. He went out and gathered sticks. And someone reported it to Moses, and Moses said, well, just put him aside here. Let's see what the Lord says. You remember what the Lord said? Stone him to death. My goodness, that is serious consequence for picking up sticks. Now, look, you've got to know that there's far more to it than is reported. We have no idea what this guy's mindset was. I'm not doing that. Why did the Lord say, pick up enough sticks on, 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 on Friday to light your fire? I'll provide double manna on Friday. Don't worry about going out on, on the Sabbath. The Lord was making a point that he will uh, develop far more fully in just a little bit. But, but here's the thing. Keeping the Sabbath was a big deal. But, believe it or not, Sabbath was not established to restrict the freedom and pleasure of God's people, but rather to enhance it. You might be thinking, how is that enhancing man's pleasure? He can't do what he wants to do. You silly Americans. We often don't know what's good for us, do we? I mean, one of the purposes of Sabbath was to teach us to trust God. In Exodus 34, the Lord told the Jews to observe the Sabbath and to, and to attend Jerusalem on special days. He said, observe the Sabbath during planting, during harvesting. And whenever we have these special feast days in Jerusalem, come on down. And, and, and they're thinking, but wait a minute, we've got to protect our borders. And the Lord is saying, don't worry about that. I'll make the people forget about you. They won't even think about you. Just trust me. I will take care of you. When you think about it, it took a lot of faith to believe that God would take care of them. Didn't it? I mean, how do you pass up a good day for farm work? When it may be raining on the Sabbath. All indications are that it may be raining on the Sabbath. I don't think Mike Moneypenny was around to give him the forecast in that day. But you may still have a sense it's going to rain tomorrow. We need to get this in. Well, indeed it did take a lot of faith. That's the point. The Sabbath not only provided God's people with much deserved rest... But it was a reminder to them that anything good that happens in our life comes from the Lord. One's personal needs cannot meet or be met by one's own efforts. I mean, you can never work enough to provide for your family. You cannot be vigilant enough to protect yourself, your family, or your nation. If God doesn't cause your crops to grow, you will starve. If God doesn't... Protect your borders, you will die or you will become enslaved. God is your only hope for anything good in this life. The Sabbath reminds us of God's gracious and merciful hands in our lives. And when we intentionally and systematically remember the source of our blessings, we are more likely to trust God. Well, in spite of that early death penalty imposed on the person for breaking the Sabbath, people didn't do so well keeping this commandment at all. You know what that was? It was kind of like all of you school teachers. Uh, at the first, is the first of the year a time to be friendly or time to lay down the law? It's a time to lay down the law, right? We'll be friends later. But just so that you understand, here's the way it is. Well, When you get past these early days of Sabbath, you don't have this severe consequence. And people just just routinely break God's command to keep the Sabbath holy. They didn't consistently observe the Sabbath. Neither did they allow the ground to lie fallow. God said every seven years, you're, you're supposed to let the land, don't plant anything. Just let the land rest. And it will be far more productive for you later. Well, the... 
the Jews didn't trust God, obviously. And they said, God's people didn't trust him. And they said, we're not going to do that. We're gonna, we've got to keep going. We get, it's a good year to grow. We're going to grow food. And so in 2 Chronicles 20, uh, 34, 21, God pronounced 70 years of judgment on the Israelis. And you know why he took, took, chose 70 years? Because for 490 years they had failed to keep the Sabbath of the land. And he said, I'm going to get my Sabbath after all. The land is going to rest, and it's going to rest for a long time, for 70 years. So no wonder the Jews who turned to the Lord in the exile said, Man, we better make sure to keep the Sabbath. We don't want this to happen to us again. Makes sense. God's people understood the dangers involved with breaking the Sabbath. So it's understandable that they began to build fences around The law. But they went too far and they missed the point. By the first century, Jewish leaders had added some 39 restrictions to the law regarding Sabbath observance. And most of those 39 restrictions have multiple sub-points, or a lot of them did. Multiple sub-points. So over and over and over they're saying, keep the Sabbath and here's the way you do it. This, in its odd way... And think about why this is so. But in its odd way, this made observing the Sabbath far more about man than it did about God. Any laws that we establish and keep make it more about us than it does about God. So if you are absolutely horrified that people go to the movies... Or dance. Or drink wine. Then check and see if your restriction of these activities is not more about you than it is about God. Now look. Every single one of those things I just mentioned. Can be carried to an extreme and very quickly. And it becomes sin. But... When we keep building fences and and building walls around the restrictions that God has given in his word. Then it becomes about me. Hey, I noticed you tried to climb over the fence that I built. What are you doing? Well, did God build that? Absolutely God built. I mean, well, I don't know, but it's just best to stay on this side of the fence. So. In the New Testament, when Jesus was accused of violating the Sabbath, it was in regard to some of the 39 restrictions that the Jewish leaders uh, had added to God's law. And his response to them revealed that they had missed the whole spirit of God's Sabbath law. When the Jews accused uh, Jesus' disciples of breaking the law by picking grain, he went back to David when David and his men were on the run from Saul. And he said, don't you know that they did that? It's not anywhere in Scripture, Jesus might have said. And there's precedent for this, in fact. You've just, these are your laws that you have made. Jesus also said that he was Lord of the Sabbath, which meant that he was God. When the Jews accused Jesus of breaking the Sabbath by healing a man with a withered hand, Jesus stated that it was right to do good. On the Sabbath. It's a good thing to do good on the Sabbath. So funny the way that they were. Let's let's see if he heals that man. It's the Sabbath. Let's watch and see if he heals that man. Yep, he did. Step in. We got to put an end to this. Jesus affirmed what the Jewish leaders already believed. In John 5, when he spoke with them, he said, My father continues working to this day. See, when the Jews read Genesis 2, and it says that God rested from all his work on the seventh day, they understood that to mean that God rested from creation. He had created everything that he was going to create. And by the way, God is still, but, Jesus said, My father is working to this day. And the the Pharisees would have said, Yep, yep. God is working to this way, but wait a minute. Did you say my father 
is working to this day? And Jesus said, yes, I did. And furthermore, I am working to this day. It's the Sabbath. I have the right to work this day. What was Jesus saying? I'm God. I'm Yahweh. I have the right to do anything that I want to do on the Sabbath. Even still, I am not breaking the law of God. Everything that I'm doing is within the boundaries that God set. You have added boundaries, and I'm not concerned with your boundaries. Because I'm God. That's a fair statement. If you believe it. So, the Jews wanted to kill Jesus. Because he made himself equal with God. If Jesus was who he said he was, then it was impossible for him to break the law. In fact, Jesus said this in Matthew 5 about his relationship to the law. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. This is an important verse for understanding Jesus' person and his work. It would be impossible for a sinful man, a man or a woman born into sin, to keep the law. Because we're already, we've lost before we've begun. It's just like some of you root for a team. This game is over. It's not even been played. Unless the other team is disqualified, there's no hope. It's, it's way worse than that when we're born. We're born sinners. We're born with a criminal mindset and, and, and sentence, the sentence of death and judgment has already been passed on us. And we can do nothing about it. Only God can change our condition. But Jesus was the God-man. And it was crucial that somebody do right, get the law right, live and keep the law to the fullest. But Jesus not only said, did I keep the law, I will keep the law and the prophets, I will fulfill them. As we advance in our study of Hebrews, we're going to observe the writer going into great detail to show how Jesus' sacrifice for sin was the end of all temple sacrifice. Jesus was the fulfillment of the law. He was the fulfillment of the sacrificial system. He was the fulfillment of all the feast, all of the feast, those special Sabbath days when the Jews were expected to come to Jerusalem and let God protect their borders and let God take care of their livestock and their and and and, and their their land and their their family just get down here and do the right thing. All of those feasts pointed to Jesus and he is the fulfillment of all of them. He was the fulfillment of all of God's promises to his people, including the Sabbath rest, even he was the promise of the land. This concept is going to be developed more fully in Hebrews 11, and we're going to think more deeply about the implications of such claims that Jesus is the land that God's people were looking for. If Joshua had given them rest, then he wouldn't speak of a future rest. That has implications for the way that we look at all of Scripture, including the end times. We'll get to it. Eventually. I'll be on more medication by then, I imagine. After Jesus' resurrection, it appears that the early church quickly established the first day of the week is the day for the church to gather And worship the Lord. Nowhere in the New Testament are believers commanded to keep the Sabbath. Did you get that? Nowhere in the New Testament are God's people commanded to keep the Sabbath. All of the other nine commandments are repeated in the New Testament. But they are articulated in light of the law of Christ. When we get to Hebrews 8, we're going to see continuity between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And we're going to see discontinuity. And and the differences far outweigh the similarities. We've talked over and over about this is one story with two parts. But this is the greater part. This is the part we're in now. And it has different rules and regulations. Somewhat different rules. It's based on this strong foundation. But if Jesus is a fulfillment... 
of all of this. That that makes things different. And and in fact, I haven't thought about this until just right now. But is it not significant that we meet on a different day of the week? Isn't it significant that if Jesus is the fulfillment of the Sabbath, that now we begin to meet on the first day of the week? Wouldn't you think if God expected Christians to keep the Sabbath on Saturday as they did in the days before Jesus, that it would be clearly stated in the New Testament? In fact, Acts 20 1 Corinthians 16 indicate that believers gathered for worship and instruction on the first day of the week. In the first chapter of Revelation, John wrote that he was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. And almost everyone universally understands the Lord's Day to be Sunday, the day on which Jesus rose from the dead. So far from commanding believers to observe the Sabbath day regulations of the Old Testament, the New Testament passages regarding the Sabbath seem to go in the other direction. Colossians 2, 16 and 17 says this, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. All of this is wrapped up in the Old Testament worship Temple worship, tabernacle, temple worship, the worship of God's covenant people in the Lord. And then in verse 17, these are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Jesus. This idea of shadow and substance is such a blessing to us. This shadow has very strict regulations, and if you mess up in any way, you're in big trouble. But the real thing, Jesus is gracious and forgiving and, and, and kind and, and long-suffering for us. When we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, when we die and we go into the next life or we continue our life or really come into real life, it's the shadow that falls upon us. But the real death hit Jesus so that we can live The Sabbath was a shadow of things to come, but the substance belongs to Jesus. Now, in fairness, it's debated whether the Sabbath here refers to the the observance of of, of the fourth commandment, so meeting every Saturday, or if it's talking about special feasts, special days, but really it's ultimately the same thing. Once again, though, when you think about it, about Sabbath and our responsibility as believers to keep the Sabbath day in the same way they did in the, in the Old Testament, the silence is telling. The silence of the New Testament on this topic. It seems a clarification would have been made if New Testament believers were expected to keep the Sabbath in the Old Covenant manner. Kind of like, okay, well... Don't let somebody judge you because you don't get there for Yom Kippur. But, better make sure to keep Sabbath on Saturday. Do that. No clarification at all. One last text. Romans 14.5 and following. Where the Apostle Paul is giving instruction regarding freedom that is available to believers. Particularly with regard to eating meat. And in that case, eating meat sacrificed to idols. All of these ceremonial rituals that that the Jewish people um, understood to be part of their relationship with the Lord. And indeed, a lot of it was detailed in the Old Testament. They added some, but a lot of it was God's instruction to them. But all of this, Paul is saying, um, that day is past. And he says in verse 5, one person esteems one day as better than another. While another esteems all days alike. What day is he talking about? Probably the Sabbath. He's probably talking about Saturday. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord. Since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. Regardless of what we do or don't do, we give thanks to God in the honor of the Lord. 
Which is why you've got no more right, if you are a dancer, you know, to say to someone, why don't you dance? You don't have much liberty in the Lord, do you? You know what he says? Everyone needs to be fully convinced in his own mind. And actually, at the very end of this chapter, verse 23, he says, the one who does something out of faith, if, in other words, you're just, oh, I really don't know if I should do that, then it's sin. So, obviously, your overall position about the Sabbath is going to impact the way that you understand this verse. If you take the view that the Sabbath was fulfilled in Jesus, which is our view here as a church, then you would almost certainly understand Paul to be speaking about the Sabbath day when he references a special day. But here's the thing. If the Sabbath is supposed to be practiced in the New Testament, you cannot approach it with a take-it-or-leave-it kind of attitude. Paul does seem to have a take-it-or-leave-it kind of attitude. If the Sabbath is important, baby, you got to be all in. No going out to eat at restaurants. No watching football on television. No anything. Don't stop and get gas in your car. Don't do any of that. It's You've got to be all in if you say the Sabbath is for our day. Even if you say, well, Sunday is the new Sabbath. We've got to keep it just like it breaks down pretty, pretty quickly if you're not careful. You know, it's difficult for me to think that the overwhelming majority of God's people have been wrong about this for 2,000 years. The fact that we preach the gospel puts us in the minority of all those who call themselves Christians. But you know what? Those who believe the gospel believe that the day of worship for believers is Sunday. Now there is some level of disagreement about is Sunday a Sabbath for us? And how should we observe it? Westminster Confession has you being very, very careful about what you do on Sunday. I'm not sure that all, a lot of people that believe the, follow the Westminster Confession, I should say, instead of believe, but follow the Westminster Confession, believe it at that level. Most evangelical believers believe today that the Sabbath has been fulfilled in Jesus. So, where does that leave us? Is the Sabbath important for us at all? I might ask if circumcision is important for us at all with regard to our relationship with God. I might, but I won't because there is some difference. If Romans 14 says it's okay if you observe it, it's okay if you don't, then you got to say it's okay if we observe it. Or if some people observe the Sabbath. If they keep it, you can't say... You're legalistic. Paul seems to be saying, can go either way. With that in mind, and with our text, Hebrews 4, 9 through 11, indicating that Jesus is our Sabbath rest. And that rest is to be pursued. Then observing, observing Sabbath in our hearts. Has got to be good practice. Not, not that we are saying, okay, on a certain day, I'm putting everything aside and I'm gonna make this the Sabbath, and I have to I have to very, very carefully observe this day because it very quickly becomes about me, doesn't it? I mean, that's what the Jews, that's what happened with the Jewish people. They added 39 regulations with many, many supplements. Who knows how many regulations there were in all. It doesn't have to be on Sunday, but at some regular interval in your week, it would be good to rest, to celebrate the gospel of Jesus and to worship. And so, as we close this morning, let's think about 
the benefits of a heart focused on Sabbath rest. I'm going to offer four, though I'm certain you could add a lot to that number. And the first benefit is this. Sabbath rest in our hearts, understanding that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Sabbath and that He is our Sabbath rest, which comes in a spirit of celebration. The first benefit is that it focuses our hearts on Him, provoking worship. If you believe the gospel that Jesus is your only hope for salvation, and if you focus on Jesus, your heart will worship. If you believe that he died for me, and just in believing, repenting of my sin and believing him, I am saved, then you're going to worship Jesus. Rest and worship improve your physical and psychological health as well as increase your spiritual well-being. And daily devotions focusing on the Lord are good, but just imagine if you had an extended time each week. And by the way, I should be down here, not up here, because I need to hear this as much as anybody. Just think if you have an extended time each week, week, even if it's a portion of a day. Maybe it's not a day uh, or a particular day, but it's any day where you can find the time. If it is true, as John Piper says, that we worshiped our way into sin and we must worship our way out of sin, then Sabbath rest is more than beneficial to us. It's almost non-negotiable. Secondly, to rest in our hearts and realize that Jesus is our Sabbath rest reminds us of the source of all that is good and that creates a grateful heart. Everything improves with a grateful heart, doesn't it? Your physical well-being, that's good medicine. Laughter, the scripture says, is good for the soul. It's good medicine to worship. I'm so thankful for this holiday that we have this week. A time to thank our creator and redeemer for his gracious gifts generally poured out on us. And I know, I know a lot of people essentially think of family, food, and football. But we know the hand from which our blessings come. When we focus on Jesus, the gratitude in our heart grows. When you rest, worship with a grateful heart. Third, it reminds us of where our help comes, from whence our help comes, increasing our faith. You know, when you think about it, God's protection, God's promise of protection to the Israelites on their borders when everyone comes to Jerusalem, that's just an astounding promise. Um, When God promises that if you'll observe the Sabbath, I'll take care of you. Look, if you think your business won't survive, if you don't devote, uh, if you take time to devote yourself to the to the Lord, and if you think your family is going to be considerably disadvantaged if you give a portion of your income to Him, then you fail to understand the source of your blessings. You know who built this business? I built this business. That's who? Sabbath rest is about trusting the Lord to faithfully keep His promises to supply all of your needs. It's about acknowledging that all good comes from His hand. Sabbath rest in our hearts helps us remember that God is the one who meets our needs and who deserves our devotion. Well, we don't need that in America. We may need it more than anybody because of our blessings. I want to tell you, Our freedom and our affluence work against us. I want them both in large measure. Our freedom and our affluence work against us. And I know, I know, I could could have found a text today. We could have talked about what's going on in the world today. But you know what? Think about that in context of Sabbath. In the Old Testament, you know when the Jews observed Sabbath? When they were walking with the Lord, it didn't matter what the times were. They celebrated the Lord, even when their lives were in danger. When our hearts rest, we recognize that God is the giver of all good things. He's our protector. Our hope, our help, everything comes from the Lord. And you know what that does? It increases 
our faith. Take your Sabbath rest. Last, a Sabbath rest in our hearts strengthens our hope of eternal life, building purity and a commitment to evangelism in our lives. 1 John 3, 2, 3 says this, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be like has not yet appeared. What's going to happen when we stand before the Lord? But we do know that when He appears, we shall be like Him. Because we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who thus hopes in Him purifies himself as He is pure. You know what this is like? This is like a woman losing as much weight as she can before a wedding. If she's the bride or if she's the mother of the bride, you know. Maybe the mother of the groom. It's like getting yourself ready for presentation. That's what he's saying in 1 John 2, 3, 2 and 3. Prepare to be presented to the Lord. If you have this hope, and, and by now you know, That hope in the New Testament refers to eternal life in Jesus Christ. And if you have this hope in your heart, purify yourself as he is pure. A Sabbath Sabbath rest awaits the people of God. And those who build Sabbath rest in their lives are changed more and more into the image of Jesus. And you know what? The world wants some of that. That's why it says, be ready when anyone asks you about the hope that is within you. Be ready to give them an answer. To say, it's not me. Anything anything good in me is from Jesus. I concluded in the original draft of this message comments uh, from John Calvin about the benefits of the gospel and of knowing Jesus. But alas, we're out of time. It is in the home group notes though. And even if your home group doesn't meet, and I know a lot of you won't meet this week, but even if it doesn't meet, our group is meeting today, and I'm taking roll of who's, who's here today. So, all right, so I'll expect you there tonight. And we're going to read this wonderful word about Jesus Christ, our Sabbath rest, and, <coughs> and the beauty <coughs> of trusting in Him. So if your group is not meeting, make sure the leader forwards the notes on to you. Let's uh, bow our heads and our hearts. And focus on the lover of our souls, on Jesus, our Savior. The one who took us as we were in our sin. And cleansed us and made us worthy. Not only to stand before him, to be called his brother. As we stand before the Father, the throne of the Father, whatever that looks like. Lord, we're so grateful that our salvation is not up to us. That Jesus paid it all. That he took the penalty that was due us and received and absorbed the wrath of God in our stead. And we are a busy people, Lord. And even though you no longer command us to cease and desist from everything, everything that we possibly can in order to worship and honor you on one day out of the week, nonetheless, the principle of Sabbath rest looms large in your word. And may Sabbath rest loom large in our hearts as we worship Jesus, as we come to Him. And it's in His name we pray. Amen. My name is Scott Colbert. I'm one of the elders here at Grace Community. Um, And let me remind you of the activities uh, following the service today love to have you stay in and join in. Now receive this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. 
the priests of Israel did this to put the name of Yahweh on his people. And it was a blessing to them. Receive this blessing with the name of Christ on our minds, our hearts, our lips, uh, exhibited through our lives. And let's go in that peace of being in him in this world as we continue our walk. In Jesus' name, go in peace.